appreciate your ministry tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I hope everybody's happy all the day. Amen today. And days to come. Praise God. World War II was beginning to ramp up in the 1930s. And um, England had a prime minister by the name of uh, Chamberlain who was looking for peace at all costs and, you know, making a big hoopla how Hitler really wants peace. We look back, it's almost like a comedy routine, but, you know, um, he didn't want to confront the whole issue or contend with it. And uh, I'm sure everybody wanted peace, but that's not what Hitler wanted, amen. And so Churchill, when he, he obviously was the next prime minister because everything he was screaming about was actually happening and come to pass. Nobody else saw it. Well, they didn't want to see it, amen. But he saw the bigger picture, stood against Hitler. And, you know, the thing is about this guy is uh, no matter how much the bombings went on, uh, just bombings went all over the country. Uh, the bombers came in. They, 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 they were able to launch bombs in. And they even took uh, one of the islands on the south of England over for all their little things that they were doing. But you know, he kept moving forward. He, didn't, he never saw defeat. He would never, like he said, we will, we will give our last drop of blood. We will never give up. We will never give in, amen. And so he really had what it is called, maybe among other things, is this thing called resilience. Amen. He knew how to recover and keep moving forward, no matter what hit his life. And I tell you, resilience this evening is, is something that if you're going to live for God uh, and you're going to need resilience as the years go by and through the years and the things that we face and the things that we deal with. Resilience. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 8, Paul is speaking these words. And he says these words. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. He says, we are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered, uh, are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Amen. Resilience. I want to consider the first thought, and that is um, being under pressure, and just the reality of opposition this evening. Because the reality of the Christian life, there is going to be opposition. We have an enemy, and he's called the adversary. He's not called a real bad dude. He's not called evil or all these things. He might be those things, 
but he's an adversary. He's one who stands against. And so, <laughs> the side's all empty. <laughs> he's one who stands against. So he opposes you and I. He's not just in the way. He's not just out and about. He's opposing you and I. He's called the adversary. The life, the Christian life has a language as you read through the scriptures. And that language is one of battle or warfare. You see words like kingdom, dominion, uh, authority. We're told to bind the strong man. That's in the Bible. That you're, you're to bind the strong man. Jesus, when he sent his disciples out to minister, basically on an outreach, he said, you know, they came back and said, we healed the sick. People got touched and saved. Miracles, demons were cast out. And he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And so these are, these are words that are spoken in the context of what the kingdom of God and what you and I deal with all the time. Amen. He's very honest as he's discipling his men, as well as you and I. He's telling us, you know what, living the Christian life, you're going to face things in the Christian life. This whole idea that everything is going to be just wonderful is not really true because we don't live in a place where everything can be wonderful. Amen. My wife was showing me a clip last night on, I don't know where she got it from, but it's just a bunch of animals eating other animals. I'm like, why are we watching this? I mean, even nature is like, I've seen this bird come down on a snake, and the snake is, you know, he's got his talons, and the snake's moving, and he's pulling his meat out of him, just eating him. And the snake's like, and he's like, just chopping down, no conscience, or, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm like, why are we watching this? What is the point? <laughs> what is the point? You know, it's like, I know it's a rough place out there. It's a rough place what we face, amen. And so, you know, the reality is, Paul speaks the same thing. There are people who will oppose you. What's he say? 2 Timothy 4, 14, 15. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. I don't know all that he did. It's possible that he's in prison right now facing death because of Alexander the coppersmith and nothing changes. He does go to the, to the cross. He does die, amen. And this very 2 Timothy is the last we hear from Paul. He says, may the Lord repay him according to his works, for you also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. So there's going to be circumstances in life that just don't go well, don't work out according to our expectations. Listen to what he says in our text. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair. We are persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. And so you think about that hard-pressed, perplexed. I've been perplexed. But persecuted, struck down. And the Bible gives many examples throughout the Word uh, of people over the years. David, when you read through the Psalms, you read disappointment and frustration. You read anger. You read how come and wise and even, you know, even depressed, feeling hopeless. Elijah, wanting it to end, he had enough. The words of Jezebel, for whatever reason, just laid hold of his heart and changed his whole perspective. This is probably one of the mightiest prophets Israel's ever had. Jonah, not happy doing the will of God. 
A strategic enemy uses strategic weapons. Discouragement and frustration is probably one of the most effective weapons that the devil uses against you and I. Discouragement and frustration. It's meant to trip you up. It's meant to knock you down with no hope of getting up. No one alive has ever tried to achieve or attain anything. It's not faced frustration and discouragement. And it's true for the Christian life. As you're living for God, you're going to face these times. Uh, amen. It could be defeat. It could be our plans not working out. Definitely unrealized expectations. Or being in a position where you're without resources to change or affect your situation. Like Paul. Sometimes it seems hopeless situations with no light at the end of the tunnel. Amen. Simply you know, down to all the courage we can muster just to keep going. And these are real situations. These are not just in our heads. These are not just, you know, well, you know, I'm just head games. It's like, well, there's more than head games going on. These are real situations. This is what Paul's talking about. He says we were persecuted, uh, hard-pressed. I mean, just, you know, perplexed at what we were facing and dealing with. And these were actual situations in his life. And he's experiencing these things as he lives for God. So the thing is, is that how do we respond to that, secondly? How do we respond? I mean, perspective, obviously, is, is the first thing I want to look at because it's not just I'm trying to shake off the blues. And we've probably all had them days where we've gotten up. You know, we call it things like getting up on the wrong side of the bed, which never makes any sense to me. But anyways... You know, but that's we have words. We coin them. You know, I mean, it's like, what's wrong with you? You know, you get up on the wrong side of the bed, go back to bed and get up right. You know, you do it with your kids, you know, your spouses, whatever. Your parents did it with you. You know, it's like, what's wrong? Get out of the house. You know, it's like, but anyways, you know, but we're not dealing with that. We're not dealing with a mental or an emotional state here. That we are really being opposed. And that's what Paul is talking about in our text. We're being opposed. He is being opposed at every turn. Turn, Amen. He, we have to see this as what it really is. You know, if it was just how I feel, then the danger would be uh, I'd open myself up to temptation. See, in other words, we're dissatisfied with where we're at, or we're dissatisfied with the state of things, or with the purposes of God. Like the children of Israel, they're discouraged. And what do they do? They tempt God. And so we're talking about not just something that's going on in my attitude or my head. We're talking about things that we're dealing with, things that are very real. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed seed in his field, Matthew 13, 25 to 28. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares amongst the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, there, then the tares also appeared. So the servant of the owner came to him and said, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then uh, does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. And so here is the servant. And he is basically going to the owner as if the owner sowed bad seed. But the owner said, I didn't sow bad seed. There's an enemy. Some, it's, it's, it's not, this is not a head game. We're not playing games here. An enemy came. You did not see it. Uh, and he is a, opposing us. Amen. So our text, really, 
our text, I think, gives us some possible wrong responses to this thing called, uh, uh, you know, opposition. Paul makes an interesting statement. When he, when he, when he says all these things, he, there's two tensions. In other words, if you look in our text, he will say these words, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. And so in other words, we're, we're not responding in distress. That's a, the King James uses the word distress. In other words, Paul says we're not distressed. It means squeezed or cramped. Amen. It's where we allow a situation to be our entire reality. You know, sometimes people face things and it becomes their whole world. Paul said, I know we're facing things, he says, but it's not our world. We're not distressed. We're, we're, we might be perplexed. We might be persecuted. He says, but this is not changing who we are. This is not how we respond to things in life. He says, we're not crushed. Amen. Uh, this is not just the way it's going to be. Amen. And all of a sudden, we have no drive. We just become limp. Amen. No fight. And we just, we just adjust our lives to the situation. Paul says, no. We fight on. He said, we're not distressed. We might, we might be Pressed, pressed in, but we're not distressed. That's not how we respond to it. He says, secondly, in our text, he says, we're persecuted, or excuse me, we're perplexed, but not despair, or not despairing. Despair is like utterly at a loss. You would think that's how people would respond to perplexity. I'm just utterly at a loss. Or in other words, you know, we, we freeze, if you will, into depression. Don't do anything. Start to pull back. Start, stop doing everything. He says, no, that's not how we respond. We're not despairing. We might be perplexed, but we're not despaired. He says, thirdly, that we're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. Means to be deserted or alone. In other words, when you respond like you know you're 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 persecuted and you think you're all alone, it's it's like the idea that we feel separated from God, and we start to lose faith that God can do anything. Like we isolate ourselves from relationship, we isolate ourselves from our brothers and sisters, from pastor, from different people. Amen. Because although we're being persecuted, we're responded like you know what God's not even on the scene. God can't do anything here. If he could, why am I being persecuted? Why am I dealing with this? He says later on, lastly, he says we're struck down, but we're not destroyed. In other words, means to lose or to destroy fully. He describes those who quit altogether or allow it to affect their salvation. It's like, you know what? You know, they're struck down, and they just put the sign on the door, closed, out at the coast. <laughs> you know, I don't know, somewhere. Amen. Went away for now. You know, sometimes people check out for a season, you know, sometimes forever. Possibly never intending to, but it just goes with the territory. Somewhere along the line, they check out. And Paul says, no, we don't do that. Amen. So what is Paul's answer? 
what is Paul's response then? If it's not those four things, what is his response to the insanity that he's dealing with? What is his response to being perplexed and persecuted and struck down and crushed? Well, I think it's resilience. It has to be resilience because he's not any of those things. He keeps on. It's a necessary quality if you're going to live for God is you're going to have to be resilient. The definition means able to recover quickly from a difficult condition. In Latin, it means leaping back. Leaping back. And so, as you look at our text, it starts really, first of all, with what we refuse. In other words, Paul is saying, there are things that I do not allow to take a hold of me. This is what he's saying, in a sense, in our text. I'm hard depressed, but I'm not distressed. I don't let distress lay hold of me. I don't let unbelief grab a hold of me. I don't believe that God has forsaken me. I'm not going to allow that to enter my heart. I'm going to refuse some things, amen. I'm not going to allow these things to take hold of me. I'm not going to allow them, amen, to grab on to who I am. And so he, he refuses to allow the wrong responses to take root in his life. That's resilience. He says, I, you know, everything in me might feel like I should respond this way. People might look and say, Paul, I mean, who are you trying to kid? Like Felix said, you're beside yourself. You're mad in the head. He says, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. He says, I just don't respond like you think I should respond. Because I refuse to. I refuse to let the wrong responses take a hold of my heart. Secondly, he holds on to something called faith. Listen to what he says in verse 13. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Amen. He is believing God. He's also speaking faith as well. It's hard for God to bless what you speak against. It is hard for God to bless what you speak against. Israel, they were free, but you know, they functioned as a slave culture. It's like they had a default mindset. It's, it's the kind of thinking that drifts back into being discouraged or, or, or you know, whenever you're facing a, a setback or whatever is unexpected in life, amen, you drift back to discouragement. It's like anything that comes, immediately you drift back, and that's how they were. They just, they never really got dominion. But listen, dominion is expressed in what you say. You can look at the children of Israel. Here they are going into the promised land. Everything is really happening as God said it's going to happen. He has not let them down. They face some issues. Food, water, and all this kind of stuff. But you know, at the end of the day, God was doing everything he said he was going to do. They step into the promised land. They come back. And what happened? They spoke words of unbelief. God can't do this. Immediately, that's what had dominion over a whole nation. And they did not go into the promised land. So what I'm saying here is this evening is that dominion is expressed in what we say. 
when we talk about the promises of God, when we, when we look at the scripture where it says nothing's impossible with God and you, we lay hold of that and say, you know what, I believe that. I don't have everything figured out. Remember, I'm perplexed. <laughs> I'm, I'm pressed down. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm forsaken. I'm, I'm, I'm not forsaken. I'm persecuted. I'm all these things. Amen. I might not have answers, but I've chosen to hold on to my faith. And the thing is, that everyone you see in scripture and even in real life that hold on to their faith, they come out the other side better off. They come out the other side blessed. They come out the other side with their sanity and their salvation intact. David, basically the same thing. Chapter 30 of 1 Samuel, verse 6. David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. That's a good reason to be distressed. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He found strength in God. It also comes down to the correct actions that we take, like perseverance. We keep hitting it again. We keep going comes down to maneuvering. Find a way to make it happen or whatever you're facing and dealing with. Amen. You don't allow the devil to win. That's the spirit that we need. Matthew 10, 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as servants, serpents and harmless as doves. In other words, you know, we're not talking about being unrighteous, but we're talking about you need to find a way. You need to go around. You need to maneuver. You need to be wise as a serpent. Because this is the spirit that God blesses. Verse 14, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with him. That's what God blesses. He blesses that resilience. Sticking to it, amen. God is a miracle-working God. There's nothing too difficult for the Lord, amen. He knows how to help us. He knows how to encourage us. He knows how to take us from this spot to this spot, even though you and I look in between and say, first of all, I can't jump it, and if I step into it, I can't even see the bottom. And God says, oh, but I, I can do this. I can get you from there to there. That's what he did with salvation, didn't he? What, look at the impossibility of getting saved. Come on. That's why you see that little picture, you know what I'm saying, from being a sinner to Christ, and you got the cross in between, and the little guy's walking over the cross. He can make a way. If he can, if he can save me, there's nothing he can't do. If he can make me from a sinner to a saint, there's nothing he can't do. Absolutely nothing he can't do. The bottom line is, it's not our portion. It's not our portion to throw our hands up and say, devil, you win. See, that's why Churchill, at the end of his life, he went out and did a speech. <laughs> He's an interesting character. God gets up to the pulpit, you know, or the podium, I guess they would call it. He says, never give in. Never, ever, 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 ever give in. 
That was his speech. He walked off. <laughs> that was his speech. That was like his commencement speech or something. He lived it. All he had to do was say with those words and who he was, a resilient man. And those words, they knew exactly what he was talking about. Never give up. And people look at him and go, I think I know exactly what he's saying. <laughs> That's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying the same thing. And when you look at Paul's life and all that he went through, and when he says, you know, the key is resilience, you can look at Paul's life and say, I think I know what resilience means. Because no matter what he faced, he was always back in, no matter what, always, right to the end. Everyone forsook me, but the Lord didn't forsake me. I mean, that was the perfect place to cry, you know what I mean? Everybody loves me. I'm going to die. It's like, no, <laughs> no, no, everybody forsook me, but the Lord didn't forsake me. He went out in victory. He would not give in. He would not admit defeat because there was no such thing as defeat, and there never is. And he says, you know what? There's going to come a day that the same God who raised Jesus is going to raise me to be with Jesus. I can't lose. I'm not going to lose because I'm not going to give in to the devil. Resilience. Resilience is how we respond no matter what takes place. Amen. Let's bow our heads this evening.